Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. The Danny Mac Show with BK Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. This is the Danny Mac Show on a Monday, the 101 ESPN Danny Mac Show edition Monday morning. That is, well, that's my man, BK. And there is Tanner. And we all had a great weekend, fellas, did we not? Absolutely. We got to watch some hoops. Illinois. I know Tanner came in. He had a little bit of a different kind of glow on his face today. He really did. I I, I know you were so fired up for Mizzou, Tanner, and that's that's great of you. Dan, did I tell you? I told you the, how that uh, game was going to go for Mizzou, by the way. I, I told you specifically. I said they're going to get up by 10. They're yeah. going to be down by 10 at some point, and then it's going to come down to the very end, and you're not going to know what happened. Well, <laughs> that's what happened. That's, that's exactly how it went. It was no surprise to me because I've been following Mizzou. I know you dive into the numbers, and you follow it and write about it, and I love your writings. It's good stuff. You get really deep into the woods on this. And by the way, all you had to say was up by 10. <laughs> Uh, then about a 10-minute drought, and then it comes down to every possession with five minutes to go. And that's exactly what happened. It makes no sense, but this is the team that I have fallen for. I, I blame my parents for living on the Missouri side of Kansas City <laughs> growing up. Like it's, it's on them that I became a Missouri fan. I blame them. Illinois fans feeling much better today about their program than I am about mine. So they are a number one seed. The Fighting Illini will play Friday 12-15 against the 16 seed Drexel. They are 12-7. and seven. They won the the CAA Conference as a six seed. So Drexel and the Fighting Illini, not going to be easy, by the way, for the Illini to get to the Elite Eight. We were talking off the air about this, but Illinois, uh, they are the number one seed in the Midwest region. And then they'll, they'll probably get, I think, Loyola Chicago. Um, and they're out of the Missouri Valley Conference, St. Louis-based right here. They've won 17 of their last 18. And then if you win that, you're potentially looking at Tennessee or Oklahoma State. So it's not an easy draw for the Fighting Illini. Yeah, all you have to do is, based on the Ken Palm rank, ra- ratings, which kind of take into account everything, offense, defense, efficiency, all that stuff, a, a top 10 team in the country in Loyola, Chicago, based on those ratings. And then, oh, maybe the number one overall pick in next year's NBA draft in Cade Cunningham, who is at Oklahoma State. That's so, right. That's all. Uh, the committee did you a ton of favors if you're an Illinois fan. It's it's crazy to me, Dan. I, I don't know that we've ever seen more jumbled rankings than we did this year because of everything that happened. Like, there were so many inequities in the way that teams played this season based on games, based on schedules, that, I mean, this was an incredibly thankless job for the committee, and I don't think there was any right way, quote-unquote, to go about it, but it ended up where you're like, okay, yeah, you get a six seed, you get a nine seed, and there's yeah. really no... Uh, reasons in between sometimes, like Florida getting a seven, Mizzou getting a nine. There's not a whole lot of differences between the two teams, and yet here we are. Yeah, uh, which leads me to this, and I want to go back to Mizzou in just a moment, but St. Louis University, they are among the first four out. They'll be the third replacement team for an NCAA tournament team should be uh, you know, knock on wood, hopefully it doesn't happen. And I mean that sincerely as much as I want to see slew in, I don't want to see teams that are hit with COVID obviously. But if, if you let the, what is a committee know by tomorrow, is it whatever, like I by noon so, or something yeah. like that. Uh, but they, they'd have to have three teams say we're, we're not going to be available to play. And so they are the first four out. They're the number one seed in the NIT Saturday and they'll get Mississippi state. So to your original point, should slew have gotten in the tournament, 
the net rankings. And, you know, Travis Ford was talking about this a lot yesterday when he was interviewed about not getting in and then going to the NIT and are you preparing for the NCAA and all the different things of this weird season that he is a part of. You know, the net rankings take into account how you schedule. And he really tried to schedule up. Now, they did get LSU. They got NC State. They found some comparables. But yet they didn't have enough games, I think, BK, just to make it worth the tournament to say, hey, you're, you're going to be in because it took a while for them to get going after they got hit with COVID. Remember, they started 7-1, and one, and I did most of those games. Those were a lot of non-conference games that we carried on television. Then the Billikens had 11 players that got a COVID. They had 33 days without a game. They played 20 games after that. They went 7-5. and five. You look at how teams are finishing going into – um, a postseason tournament, and, and the St. Bonaventure game did not help them. They were blown out in that game and in the postseason tournament. I think that was the, di- the the difference for them. You know, you look at the schedule. So they did that. Check that they did they did a good job with that because the you know the the net rankings for them were pretty good. Michigan State seventy, UCLA forty six, Wichita State seventy two, Drake forty five, out. Louisville fifty six, Colorado State slew is forty three. I mean, so they they did a good job there. It was how you finished, and they just did not finish well. But you still could have made the case you got Hassan French, you got Jordan Goodwin, you got Javante Perkins, you were 7-1, and you were top 25. How much do you penalize a team for getting hit with COVID? And and apparently SLU got penalized pretty hard. Yeah, this was a quantity versus quality discussion, and there just wasn't enough quantity there for SLU. I think it was the same thing that kept Louisville out this year. Both of those programs were hit with COVID and you look at it and you see what the first four out were and it's like, oh, okay, what was the common denominator between both SLU and Louisville? Both got hit with COVID, both had a few weeks off and both ended up having just not enough wins on the schedule. And that's unfortunate and this is one of those things where I don't think you can blame anybody. It's not like anybody wanted this to happen to SLU. The committee has to look at what the resumes are and they look at them and they say, hey, you know, there's just not enough of a body of work here for SLU for me to put them in over a team like Drake, UCLA, Michigan State or Wichita State. And I kind of get it. And I know that's going to make me kind of public enemy number one here in St. Louis, but I understand the argument against SLU getting into this tournament. I think they're a really good team. If you're going purely based on quality, there's no chance that there are 68 teams in the country better than SLU. There's just not. But that's not everything that we take into account with the tournament. It's both about how good are you, who are the best teams, and also who are the most deserving teams. And unfortunately, one other thing that worked against SLU is that there were a couple of teams that were surprises that won their NCAA tournament, including Georgetown. That was the key. And that when was you the have, one, when I saw them win, I thought, uh-oh, this is bad, bad, bad for SLU. When you have all of these things that kind of work together in tandem, that's how SLU ends up missing the tournament. So let's go back to Illinois, then we'll get to Mizzou, Illinois, number one seed in the Midwest region. Brad Underwood, what a job he's done with the Fighting Illini. Well, I, I've said that the, one of the greatest thrills about the NCAA tournament, and I and I mean this, and I'm, you can call me old school if you like in this capacity, I there's nothing better than hearing your name come across and be seen on the on the screen when it's called for the NCAA tournament. Um, there's 353 Division One schools, 68 get in. Uh, it's awesome. It's just one of those moments, and and to see it up there, uh, especially after such a hard fought game, was was uh, 
pretty special moment. So they win the Big Ten postseason. They were, you know, by technicality, with they could have won the regular season championship in the Big Ten. I think the Big Ten, by the way, is the best conference in college basketball. So they go through a gauntlet of a regular season schedule. And by the way, they were one of the teams that did not get hit with COVID. Uh, they did a, you know, by luck or by however they did it. And I, I almost say it's luck with I, watching the Cardinals in Miami and different sports. Some teams get hit, some teams don't. It just seems like it's luck how it happens. So they are a number one seed. As we mentioned earlier, they would probably have to go through Loyola Chicago, uh, who's won 17 of the last 18, then either Tennessee or Oklahoma State, and it gets tougher and tougher, obviously, as you go along. Jay Billis of ESPN, does Illinois have a chance to beat either what people are saying could be the favorites to win the whole thing, Gonzaga or Baylor? I think it's Illinois. Uh, Illinois has a transformational player in Io DeSumo. Uh, he is a, a fantastic closer. At the end of a game, he can go get a shot. Uh, he's had two triple-doubles on the season. You know, with a lot of players, you say he's got triple-double ability. He's got triple-doubles. And he came back uh, after having his nose broken and concussion. He's wearing a black face mask uh, that makes him look like Batman. So they not only have Batman in the lineup, uh, they've got the incredible Hulk and Kofi Coburn, and having Batman and the Hulk in the same lineup is totally unfair. That is just wrong. So now on to Mizzou. They'll take on Oklahoma. So it kind of you know, takes you back to Billy Tubbs and, you know, Storm and Norman. This is going to be fun seeing an old Big 8 rivalry, and uh, and I, I, I look forward to this. It's two teams, by the way, that are struggling going into the tournament. If you haven't been paying attention, Oklahoma's dropped five of their last six. They're well-coached, obviously, good team. Mizzou at one point, 13-3 this season. They lost six of their last ten to finish the year at 16-9. and nine. But when you look at the Missouri wins this year, which included one over Illinois and some top-rated teams, you know, you think about those quad one wins and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff that we love to look at, They're, they could be dangerous now they would have to get Gonzaga if well i'm going to i'm going to go ahead and put Gonzaga moving on in the tournament that, okay yeah. all right uh they are by the way plus 200 for the top 10 odds for this year's tournament that's best on that list of the 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 odds makers but i i think this is an intriguing matchup between these two teams both teams kind of scuffling going into the uh, field of 68 if you're a Mizzou fan a successful tournament is winning your first game like that that is it that's that's all you need this year based on the draw that they got you mentioned it this team's not beating Gonzaga like it'd be great if they did and I, I oh, would BK, love to come on, on have some faith here Gonzaga is a really real they're, they're the best team in the country in my opinion I think that Illinois is the second best team in the country right now Gonzaga for my money would be number one and so if, if you're a Mizzou fan you look at this and it's very simple beat Oklahoma Find a way to win that first game, and if you do that and then you put up a tough fight against Gonzaga, you go down by whatever, 10 in the end, that that would be, to me, deemed a success in this tournament. That's all it takes. You know what I, I like about Mizzou, though? And it's been, like, taking Tums every time you watch them play, but the last 10 games have been separated by eight or fewer points on average. So what does that tell you? Every time that they're playing, it's a tight game. They're and the when, blues of college basketball yes, right now. And when you have an eight or a nine, what are you expecting in these games? A tight game, mm-hmm. typically. So I kind of like that, that they've played tight games. There's something to be said for that going into the NCAA tournament. Tillman has got to be better. After his grandmother passed away, I thought he was shaky at times. I thought it cost him a couple of games that they lost here down the stretch. But he's the key, in my mind, 
to being a successful team in that first round and winning that game. I'm not sure Oklahoma could match up against him when you look at their roster. There's not many teams that can when he's on his game. He's got to be better than he has been the last, I'd say, two weeks. He's got to be better. Xavier Pinson yes. has to be a little better. Those are the two. Like it, Those those are their best players, their most talented players, and they have to play like that. And when they have this season, Dan, they've looked like one of the best teams in the SEC, which means they've looked like a legitimate top 10, 15 team in the country. When they haven't played up to those expectations, though, they can lose to literally anybody, anybody that is put in front of them. So certainly Oklahoma would be on that group. They, they can beat this Missouri team. Okay, so you want the uh, top 10 odds for this year's Let's tournament? Who okay, who are your favorites for the Final Four and National Championship? So the odds makers have Gonzaga having the best chance at plus 200. I don't agree with that. I don't think they're the best team in the country. Uh, the next team I'm about to mention I think is, and that's Baylor. They're plus 600 along with Michigan, then Illinois, then Iowa, Houston, Alabama. How about Alabama coming from nowhere to be listed as a top, what do we got, one, two, three, four, five, six, top eight in the chances to win the national championship in hoops. What? Then Ohio State, Florida State, Oklahoma State. Um, I, I, I just like Baylor. I, I like them. I've liked them from day one. I'm still going to go back to this. I'm not saying Gonzaga isn't talented because clearly they are. They're an awesome team. But I will go back to the schedule that you play. And I'm not sure that they play a tough enough schedule, number one. Now, setting up as a number one seed helps you in that because the first couple of games should be, I'm not saying cakewalks, but they're easier than being, you know, a 12 or whatever. But the other thing is, defensively, I'm not sold on their defense. They can light it up. I'm not sold, BK, defensively. And we'll see if this in this tournament plays out. But I'm not sold on them as a defensive juggernaut that you have to be to win the whole thing. So one of the reasons why I'm so high on Illinois coming into this team, this doesn't make me like special or unique or different, but they've got two of the ten best players in the country. That's the other thing. you got to have athletes and when, a couple NBA guys. When you have that, it makes everything else a little easier. And the other thing is they know who's taking their big shot. And, Dan, sometimes basketball is a very simple game. Now, you don't want IU taking the shot that he took at the end of regulation the other night. That's not the one that you want, the step-back three that he took. However, I always know who's going to take it. Like, Io's going to be that guy for them. There are a lot of teams, Mizzou's one of these, where you get to the last possession, it's like, I don't know what they're drawing up, and I don't know who's taking this shot, and I'm not sure that I'm going to feel great about who is taking this shot. Illinois, I know it's going to be Iowa, and I feel really good about that if the game is on the line and you need a bucket. So when you have those kinds of things and you know exactly who you are as a team, that's something that – that's why for me, I'm betting on them. I'm gonna, When I put my bracket together, I'm picking Illinois to win the national championship this year because I think they have the type of team that I've seen succeed in March before. Baylor is my choice to win the national championship. We'll get to our final four picks later in the show. Coming up, we're going to visit with C.J. Moore of the Athletic College Basketball Writer. Does a great job. In particular, BK, he really knows KU – Mizzou and the Midwest so Illinois too that'll be fun to talk to him and see what he says yeah he's one of the best for my money when it comes to breaking this stuff down so I'm looking forward to talking with him uh the Blues we're going to get into that a little later in the show do we have to (laughs) over the weekend not pretty and the Cardinals looking forward to this now they're we're going to get into what the rotation may look like they had to scratch KK 
uh, the game is today, by the way, at noon on Fox Sports Midwest. They're going to take on the Nationals. So if you're a baseball geek like myself, affectionately referred to as a baseball geek, uh, you get to watch Max Scherzer. He's pitching for the Nationals. I can't wait to watch that. Yeah, so uh, remember that conversation that we had of Gant versus Ponce? Right. How about Gant and, and Ponce? Ponce? Yeah, that's <laughs> instead. I think it's coming. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Danny Mac Show on a Monday, the NCAA tournament we think is set. We'll hopefully have all the results with COVID tests and what teams are going to officially be a part of it. Uh, BK is alongside Brandon Kiley, Tanner Hendrickson with us as well. And let's say good morning to CJ Moore of The Athletic. Does an incredible job covering college basketball. And uh, CJ, we appreciate your time. How you doing? Doing well. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. Uh, I'm going to start with this. Do you think the committee got it right just with the feel that they are presenting college basketball fans starting uh, this weekend? Uh, yeah, why not? I mean, I'm <laughs> sure you could argue some uh, seed, some seed lines, some bubble teams, but uh, I always think, you know, if, if, you, if you're on the bubble, there's a reason you're on the bubble, and it's because, you know, you uh, you maybe just should be in the tournament. So. Um, I don't. I don't get too fired up about uh, you know who they left out or or where they have uh, team seated. I, I'm just happy we have some basketball, man. CJ, the big one here locally, as you can imagine, was SLU not getting into the tournament. Now, if you look at their net rating, they should be in. If you look at, though, the overall body of work, I could see the argument against them, and a lot of that is on the premise of you just didn't play enough games. How much for you, when you are kind of breaking down some of these teams, do you take into account you know, what, what they went through when it comes to the COVID situations this year? Well, I mean, I think you have to take it a little bit into consideration but at the same time like you you only have the games that were played um to really evaluate teams and so i think you have to just take those and i i don't think you necessarily can say well this team had COVID and this team didn't like i just think you have to take a look at the body of work and the games they did play and uh and go off that and um you know slew was awesome early on this year like i thought they looked really really good um but you know just do better in the A10, and 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 then maybe you're in the in the field. So, um, you know, I'm sure it's frustrating for for Stu fans because especially the way that the season started for for the Billikens. But um, yeah, I mean, um, I, I think it's hard to to like give a team a pass because because of that when um, you know it's it's really really hard to pick a field i guess when when you've got the the different number of games for everybody and and taking those things into consideration i think you have to take a look at the games that were played cj moore of the athletic is our guest we got mizzou against oklahoma so i was saying in our first segment uh I, i'm having flashbacks to billy tubbs and story you bet and storm yeah. and norman I, I i'm waiting for billy tubbs you know god rest his soul but to come out and and address the uh <laughs> the crowd and say no matter how bad the officiating is <laughs> please don't do this and oh, throw man. things on the floor it's, it's the best so this takes us back to the big eight but uh what do you think about this matchup with oklahoma and mizzou well, as a uh, as a guy who grew up with the big eight man that that uh that gets me that gets my juices flowing me but, too uh, me too <laughs> That that'll be a that'll be a really fun game. I mean, um, to to me, like I look at that game and I think it a, a lot of it will come down to Brady Manick against uh, Jeremiah Tillman. Like I think Oklahoma, I think you can get them um, underneath with a with a really good low post big guy. But then 
you know, you got to get out and guard Brady Manick. Like, can, can he get out to the three-point line and, and, and chase him around? So, um, and Lon Kruger's really, really good at finding the matchups he wants. But, um, you know, and Drew, Drew Smith against Austin Reeves, like a lot of, lot of fun matchups in that game. Um, I think it could be a really, really, really good first-round game. CJ, if you're a Mizzou fan watching this, or if I if you put yourself into Mizzou fans' shoes for this one, has it been a success? Do if you, if they win this first game, is that how it becomes a success? How do I evaluate this? Yeah, I mean, considering what the last couple of years look like, I, I think it is a success. But um, I, you know, I think the issue with Mizzou this year was when you're as poor a shooting team as Mizzou has been the last few years. Um, you know, it's hard to consistently like not fall on your face sometimes in, in maybe games that you feel like you should win. So, um, you know, I, I think overall it's a pretty solid season for Mizzou, especially considering um, where the Tigers were the last couple of years. Um, but I can understand the, the frustration because, you know, early on it was, they were cooking. Like it was looking, it was looking really good. And, um, you know, I, I think if, if Jeremiah Tillman doesn't have the, the you know tragedy in his family and he, he doesn't miss that handful of games that he missed, um, you know, they might be a, a couple seeds higher, maybe a seven, maybe even a six, because um, I felt like several of those games that he missed, they probably would have won if, if he was there. Looking forward to seeing what Illinois can do. My man BK here, he's got them winning the NCAA tournament. He's got them winning the whole thing. How about you? What, what do you think about Illinois? Oh, man, they're terrific. They're terrific. I think – um, one of the two, like I, that's the only game I attended this year was Missouri at uh, Illinois, or sorry, Illinois at Missouri, <laughs> and uh, you know that team that that I watched that day is is not the team that they they are today. Like they, they've improved a ton. Um, I love me some Andre Carbello. That dude's so much fun. Um, they're really really good. Like kind kind of remind you of Kansas a little bit last year. Like you know they got a, a big dude and. In uh, Coffee Coburn, that's that's kind of like uh, Udoka has a bouquet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Io's awesome. They they just really really talented. You know, they've done a good job with their offense, kind of evolving through the years and, and becoming more you know ball screen centric. And Io's gotten better. So yeah, that's that's a really good team. Um, you know, you want to be peaking going into the tournament. I think that's one that is like them and Michigan are kind of going the opposite directions right now. CJ, is that the best one-two punch in the country right now for your money with IO and uh, and Kofi Coburn? Uh, it's close. I mean, Gonzaga's got like the one-two-three punch. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty darn close. But there's some other really, really, really good. Uh, one two punches, but yeah, I, I think you wouldn't be wrong if if you went with that one. That'd probably be good. What'd you think of their draw, CJ? Because I looked at it and it's like, man, you're going to get Loyola Chicago in the second round as an eight seed, and I look over at Ken Palm, and they're legitimately in the top ten of of Ken Palm's mm-hmm. rankings overall. What'd you think of the draw for Illinois? Uh, I mean, just really, really tough. Like, um, I'm with you. Like, I I love. Illinois right now, and I'm almost tempted to, to take him as a national title pick too. But man, like you've not only got to go through Loyola, you potentially have Kate Cunningham and Oklahoma State in the Sweet 16, and uh, then their two seed and three seeds are Houston and West Virginia, who like those are some bad dudes on those teams. And if you play Houston, like Houston will just totally take your big guy away a lot of times because they double team the post and are really really good at it. So. Um, yeah, that, that region I think is probably the best. And, 
the lore of the game in the second round is, is, is just tough. Like Cameron Crutrig, if you, if you don't know that name, uh, you know, check him out in the first round and him going up against uh, Coffee will, will, will be pretty fun. A lot of people are going Gonzaga, and I understand that too. They're an exceptional mm-hmm. team. I've got concerns about how they guard, and I've, I just always have concerns about the schedule they play going into this. Is that legitimate, you think? No, not really. Okay. Because, I mean, did it hurt them when they made the national title game a few years ago? Right. Um, I, I, I think that, you know, Mark Few does a great job scheduling in the non-conference. They were trying to play everybody and anybody this year. Um, and that's you know, why BYU's I'm saying about this year specifically because yeah, of COVID, B- you know? Yeah, BYU is a good team. They've, they've played, you know, got tested right before the tournament in their championship game. So, I mean, they, that team's got some dudes. I, I understand, you know, with the defense, that's a legitimate concern. And, you know, let, let's say we get the, the, the dream matchup of, of Baylor-Gonzaga, which I'd love to see. Um, like, if, if that game happens, like, the reason I like Baylor is I, I just think, um, you know, when it comes down to getting a stop, like, Baylor ha- has the dogs to, to go do that. And, and I think Gonzaga just wants to outscore you. So, um, yeah, I, I, I can understand where you're coming from there. But as far as the schedule goes, like, I, I – I just don't. I think that is uh, not a good point anymore because they've they've shown year in and year out that they can still go deep in the SA tournament despite what, playing in the WCC. Hey, what do you think about if you're the committee or you're running the NCAA in these next few weeks? Are you holding your breath every morning? <laughs> I mean, what do you think this is going to be like as we go through this tournament and trying to get through COVID and make sure that these teams are able to play? Yeah, probably so. I mean, I think that. It, I, I think they'll do a pretty good job once they get the, everybody there and, and kind of keeping them bubbled off. And, you know, you do have to get the, like, seven straight negatives before you get there. So, like, I'm cautiously optimistic that they'll they'll pull it off and, and do a good job. But, I mean, like I said, like, the programs like Kansas and, and Virginia these next few days. Cause, oh, man. Um, you know, sometimes it takes a little while to, to – to, like, you've seen it with some of these teams. Like, it's just – one after one after one that get knocked off. So um, I'd, I'd be really, really scared if I was fans of those teams. But I'm I'm like, you know, I, I say this kind of with my my teeth gritted, but I, I think they're they're going to do a good job once I get to the bubble. So we'll see. We're talking to Steve. Bubble-ish. The yeah, bubble-ish thing. Ab- absolutely. Not, not, not a true bubble, they say, but, you know, pretty close, I think. We're talking to C.J. Moore of The Athletic here on 101 ESPN for just another minute or two. C.J., if I'm somebody filling out my bracket, and I know you haven't done this yet, but if I'm looking for a team that maybe isn't a number one or two seed that has a legitimate shot to make a run in this tournament, who would you point to? Not a one or two seed. Well, Oklahoma State, you've seen them. Um you know, recently knock off Baylor, knock off West Virginia. That's a really, really good team. I'm going to stick in the Big 12. I got Texas in the Final Four. I can't quit Texas just because I love that roster. Um, I think Texas has a top five roster in college basketball. Like, that's that roster is a one seed. So so you wouldn't be wrong uh, having the Longhorns go pretty far. They, they, they like, they've disappointed me at different times this year <laughs> just because I, I, I think really highly of, of, of the talent and experience. But um, that'd be a team that I could see going really deep. Uh, UConn is a team that is probably better than its seven seed because um, Book Knight, their uh, their star guard, missed a handful of games this year. Um, if he would have played all season, they're probably more like a four five seed this year. Um, so that's a team that like I, I could see them knocking off Bama in the second round. 
um, you know, going to Sweet 16. And then, you know, like I said, Texas is really good, but Texas sometimes disappoints. So um, UConn be a team that, that I could see going pretty deep. And last one for you. When you look at the way that this is set up, you said it's a bubble-ish environment and everybody's going to be in Indianapolis. It's not your typical regions where you've got 75% of the fan base that's for one team or the other based on how close they are proximity-wise to their hometown. How do you think that's going to play into this thing? Like, should should we expect more upsets because of the setup? Is there going to be something that is – what are you watching for just based on the setup this year compared to a normal season when it comes to the NCAA tournament? Oh, I'm sure it's going to be wild because the NCAA tournament always is. But I, I was I, this thought kind of came to my head last night when I was, I was doing a show for, for The Athletic is, like, a lot of the times upsets happen because – or in part of because – the lower seated team gets some momentum and the building adopts that team as theirs, right? So it's like you've got like 90% of the fans in the building like rooting for the underdog and that energy kind of kind of helps the, the lower seed. Well, with not very many fans, like I don't know that we have that this year. So maybe there's fewer upsets, who knows? But I, I still think, you know, just probably the nature of the tournament, we're probably going to have, you know, a fun, crazy first weekend that maybe it'll – It'll kind of get to the the cream rising once once you get to uh, the, the second weekend. But um, I'm not going to say there's no upsets, but I, I do think that that is some a, a a thing that happens every year that maybe we don't see this year. Maybe the the lower city, you know, there's a, one or two games where the lower city team would have won a full house. Hey, CJ, enjoy the tournament. Thanks for your time. Great insight. Appreciate your work at The Athletic. You can follow uh, CJ Moore at CJ Moore, M-O-O-R-E, Hoops, uh, on Twitter. Thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. You got it. That is CJ Moore. Uh, interesting stuff. And um, I disagree with him on the Gonzaga thing. I'm going to stick with it just because of COVID. But uh, great question there at the end. I, I, I'm with you. I, I think it's going to be really interesting as they bubble up. It, it, we're here. We're, we see it in all the sports. Like the Blues are, to me, let, let me just say this. The Blues are a better road team, and I wonder if they're a better road team because all they do is just bubble up on the road and go get their food and go hang out at a pool and think about hockey. You know, what? what's that going to be like with the college basketball scene? I'm fascinated to see what it means um, because these teams are going to be bubbled, if you will, yeah. for a month. Like right. the, Whoever wins the national championship will be there for a month in Indianapolis just basically playing basketball. Right. That's all they're doing. And so – the thing that's going to be really interesting is, okay, so who are these teams that are going to come out of this first week? There's going to be somebody that's a surprise. And the bonding that is going to happen within that team, Dan, over the following week before they get to their second or, or I guess, Sweet 16 matchup, if you will, it's going to be really special. And we see it all the time where some of uh, uh, there's quickly some momentum that builds behind them, right? I can't wait to see what that looks like in this environment because it's going to be so different than a normal season. You know, we haven't talked about this enough i don't think it's gotten enough attention these college kids for many of them didn't go home at thanksgiving didn't go home at christmas didn't go home at new year's and had a pseudo bubble at their college or university i wonder if this is the greatest national championship win if you win it and the fact that you're going to be bubbled up for a month i mean guys are going out of their minds in pro sports when they had to do that stuff we we heard about the bubble up in edmonton guys were like losing it 
I, I wonder if that's going to have an effect on on what's going on with the college basketball month long of what we enjoy, and I thank the players for doing it. But, man, oh, man, that's not an easy thing to do. It's going to break some teams, and it's going to make some teams stronger. This is adversity, right? Like, this is where uh, everything that you've been through all season long has led you to this point. And I think if you're Brad Underwood or Conzo Martin or any of these other 68 coaches, that's what you're telling your team right now. Hey, we went through all of that crap during the regular season, all of the protocols to get us to this point. And now we have a chance to do something special that you're going to be able to tell your kids, your grandkids about. And if you are able to come out of this one, as you said, there's going to be an asterisk next to it because it might be the most difficult championship that anybody's ever had to win yeah, before. Like it's not you. it's not an asterisk that we've been talking about for the last year. It's the opposite. It is holy cow. How'd we actually this? accomplished that. Yeah. So that that's that's the way that I would approach this if I'm a coach. This is the Danny Mac show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. He um his back uh, tightened up on him uh, towards the end of his last bullpen session three days ago, and he's currently getting treatment for that. Has responded well to treatment, but clearly it's a setback from his throwing. Um, he's now loosened up. He's been able to be more mobile. I won't put a timeline on when he's going to be back to throw. We don't think it's a... A huge setback, but nonetheless, a setback. That was Mike Shield this weekend as KK was scratched from his start due to back tightness, which popped up after throwing his last bullpen. The Cardinals did acknowledge there's a possibility KK could not be ready for the start of the season. And then that leads us, BK. Welcome back to the show. Danny Mack and BK with you. Uh, leads us to this morning, Mike Schilt saying that KK felt much better uh, throwing today. So that's, you know, it's one of those things where you kind of wait and see and see how he feels, progresses out of bullpens, probably get another start or two before spring training is through and see exactly where you're at before you uh I guess, head north to Cincinnati. Yeah, Schilt said, quote, at a best-case scenario, it's going to be close for KK to be able to go on on opening day. I'm going to go out on a ledge here, Dan. Um, The Cardinals tend to be, and I will say this, you don't have to. You can say whatever you want, BK. They tend to be optimistic until they can no longer be optimistic about these things. And there's no reason not to be, frankly. But if I had to guess, I do not believe that you will see KK in his first start, his first scheduled start of the regular season. That is not reason to panic. But I would imagine that the first go around, you're going to see Gant and Ponce make those starts at the back end of your rotation. And frankly, I got to be honest with you, Dan. I've been a little surprised, maybe you shouldn't be surprised, but by the relative alarm from some Cardinals fans on social media over the weekend over these injuries that they're having in the rotation, the Cardinals are fine. Like, I'm over here on Cardinals pitching depth island. I think it's just you and me kind of chilling and, and cheersing with our be- cold beers on the on the beach because I'm not worried about this. I'm not either. It, I, I, I'm not overly concerned. Now, if it was something where they said hey, KK's got a bad shoulder or his elbow is barking, now we're talking. But still, even with that, there's depth that they have. Now, they didn't go out and get certain guys that maybe fans wanted to see them get, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay seeing what they have depth-wise. Now, the question is, how much is that depth going to be tested, especially early on? And that's a fair question. How much do you want to see potentially – Daniel Ponce de Leon start, or John Gant. And right now, those would be the two guys I look at as being inserted into this rotation. Gant will go today, by the way. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. Like I, I think that there's a lot of teams around baseball that have similar fourth and fifth starters to the Cardinals. And that's, that's a, 
a reality that a lot of Cardinals fans do not want to face right now, and I get it. You'd rather have Miles Michaelis and KK in those spots than the two that you have right now. But the Cardinals, one of the benefits of having arguably the best defense in baseball is that you can have guys that pitch to a little bit of contact and they're going to be successful in front of this defense in a way that they wouldn't be in front of other teams around the league. What this does do, though, Dan, is it puts a little bit more pressure on that offense. And the question that we've had all off season is now going to be tested early in the season. They need guys like Tyler O'Neill, who's been tremendous this spring, to be able to come through early in the season. They need a guy like Nolan Arenado to immediately hit the ground running. Paul DeYoung, you've been great in the first half of seasons. Let's see that again this year. Those are the things that need to come out. It's more pressure for me on those guys than it is for the back end of the rotation right now. So Mike Shield talked about Michaelis, KK, how that absence potentially affects the Cardinals moving forward. Yeah, with Miles, we know that um, you know we're going to have an adjusted. Uh, we won't be in a rotation chart this season. Uh, we don't anticipate him being on long, but we don't know exactly what that time frame looks like. So clearly that opened a spot up in the rotation to start the season. Possibly the same thing with KK. Can't rule out. You know, we got an off day after the first day in in Cincinnati, um, and then we we go five straight. So um, into our home opener on the eighth. Not sure about KK what that looks like. Clearly, it's um, possible that that he may not make that first start. We're not going to push it just to push it. Um, we do have other candidates, and we'll figure it out as we go. And we have made arrangements. Uh, internally put people's workload appropriately to get them the opportunities to to be ready for the season. Flaherty is going to throw, correct me if I'm wrong, BK, I believe it's on the backfields today. They'd like to get at least, what, four to five innings with him. five innings for him today. And John Gant will make the start that you can see on Fox Sports Midwest. That first pitch will be roughly in about an hour and 10, hour and 15 minutes. Uh, The lineup, by the way, how would you like to wake up this morning and it's a Monday, you're down in Florida, you're like, "Eh, you know what? kind of a beautiful day i wouldn't like you know mind if in and be okay if mike Schilt gave me the day off you know because ah, max scherzer's going for the uh, nationals he treats every game like game seven of the world series so uh the lineup today carpenter at second base goldschmidt at first this is where the interesting part is goldie in the uh second spot in the lineup then arenado the young batting cleanup then tyler o'neill in left field tyler o'neill having a very good spring now yadier molina dylan carlson harrison bader and the pitcher will start hitting now for the cardinals and that pitcher is the aforementioned John Gant. So we'll see John Gant make a start today. Let's spend a couple of minutes here uh, as we close things out, Dan, on Tyler O'Neill, because you're right. He's been awesome lately. And I looked up last night some of the exit velocities on some of his hits. The the things that the Cardinals talk about with him, they are coming to fruition yep. in spring training. He's looked excellent at the plate. What do I make of this? How, how much can I buy into what I'm watching right now? Don't believe what you see in spring don't believe what you see in september i gotta stay with that however i'm really excited about what i'm seeing you know how do you not i mean the guy is 10 for 21 this is what you wanted you got five runs you got two doubles couple of home runs he's driven in eight um he's walked one time so if i if i'm looking at something that i want to nitpick at and this is really nitpicking when a guy's 10 for 21 i want to see more walks but i'm seeing more contact uh the five strikeouts i can live with that when you're hitting the way that he's hitting with power. That's just the way the game is played. You're, you're going you're gonna to exchange the strikeouts for the power. So this is exactly what you wanted to see. And coming out of spring training, I've been thinking about this, if you move up Arenado and Goldschmidt to two and three, where do you put Tyler O'Neill? Is it DeYoung batting fourth, or is O'Neill the guy that you're saying, hey, we give a shot now, 
because he's he's the hot hand coming out of spring training. Maybe that's the guy that we look for to provide provide some type of pr- protection behind these two guys. That's a real key coming out of this spring training. I think Tyler O'Neill probably projects to be a five or a six hole hitter moving forward. Um, I would have more confidence in DeYoung as that as that cleanup hitter to start things off, but. If you feel like, hey, Tyler O'Neill's on a heater right now, and yeah. let's get what we can out of him for the time being, I got no issues with it. And, Dan, I was looking. Five of his last nine batted balls have been the hard-hit variety. Yeah. That's what you want to see out of him. When he's making contact, it's getting smoked right now. And if he can keep this up, I think that at this point, based on what he's done in spring, he has... Again, he's got to keep this up for the next couple of weeks, but he's taken over that left heel job for me. You know, I'm a Lane Thomas guy. I would like to see what he has. And he's had a good spring, too. He's been pretty solid, but Tyler O'Neill's been on yeah. another level in the last week or two. So if he continues this, that's a lot to ask, but if he continues it, I think he is clearly the starting left fielder going into opening day, and Lane Thomas would be that fourth outfielder early on. So you're looking for consistency, more consistency out of Tyler O'Neill. You've been listening to Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.